You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. still comes in one name that name is jesus sweet rose of sharon spotless and pure lamb of god jesus lion of judah promised emmanuel god's son jesus my lord and
kids can go back for junior church now. But I, just a couple things I wanted to mention as they're heading back. Uh, number one, it's exciting. Be praying for Ryan today. I, I just think it's exciting. Of course, Michael's preaching every Sunday out from our church. But I, I love the fact that as we're having church here, there's two preachers out of our church that are preaching elsewhere. Amen. I'm excited about that. So Ryan is uh, preaching uh, down in Germantown. So he had to have an interpreter and everything. But... Um, <laughs> But I think he's doing okay there. But anyway, so he's preaching down in Germantown this morning. And, uh, but then also, I just wanted to encourage you on the choir. And, and number one, man, I appreciate the choir, don't you? They do a beautiful job. And uh, just like Wednesday, some of the things we forget to remind you of is that uh, we all, we're always looking for more voices and more help in the choir. Uh, and, and another thing I appreciate about the choir, we could use some local voices. Uh, we're all fairly local, but everybody that I saw in the choir today are people that drive, I think, I think probably at least 30 minutes. So if you think on the days they have choir practice, which is not every Sunday, but on the Sundays they have choir practice, y'all start at 9. Uh, if you think that's early and, and you live in town, it's even earlier for them, okay? Uh, but I appreciate the choir and a beautiful job there. So uh, just wanted to mention those couple of things. If you're interested in the choir, you could uh, see Danny and uh, he could help you out with that also. Uh, well, I wanted to share a passage of scripture with you. And I, I wanted to start, though, with... Uh, with uh, just a, a brief story, and, and going back when I was 16 years old, uh, sitting in, on a couch in, in a mill house, which is uh, uh, three rooms, I guess four rooms if you can't, uh, uh, count the, uh, the bathroom, but just a super small house, bad part of town, about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting on the couch, and I am at a place in my life to where uh, drugs have taken me just... Uh, low, brought me to a low, dark place in my life, really at that point, at the end of my rope, and felt hopeless. The trajectory of my life was going in a bad direction, and, and, and there I sat, uh, just feeling as lost as I've ever felt in this world. And right in the middle of that, and again, I don't know the exact time, but it was probably two in the morning. And, and, and there I am, just down and hopeless and, and realizing that all of this that I've been trying to look for in the world is doing nothing but bringing me lower. All these promises of getting high, which is what I was really looking for, uh, just kept bringing me down ultimately. Uh, and so there I sat on that couch in the living room that day when my friend that had a church background said, as many of you have heard the story before, uh, Jesse, he's like, what, we need to get saved. That's what we need to do. And by the way, you may be a lot like me. I can remember when I was younger, uh, I heard about a friend of mine getting saved. His name was Truman. Uh, and I remember uh, it was on a Sunday, and we were going out to play football or whatever it is we were going to do, rounding up the neighborhood kids, you know. And my friend said, hey, Jesse, don't cuss around Truman. He got saved today. And my, my mind immediately goes to him getting dragged out of an automobile accident. And I'm like, so why can't I cuss in front of him and talk bad in front of him if he just got drugged out of a car? I, I didn't understand the concept of being saved. Because being saved, we're talking about, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we need to be saved from sin. We need to be saved from death. And ultimately, we need to be saved from hell. And, uh, but, but so, but, but, but that night my friend said, Jesse, we need to get saved. And I'm like, okay. I was like, how do we do that? I'm sitting there on the couch and, and he goes over and he gets an old black, uh, black back King James Bible. And he says, he says, I think it says something about it in the gospel of John. 
And I, you know, so I began to thumb around and try to find the Gospel of John. And uh, as I read in the, that, the Gospel of John, the Spirit of God began to work in my heart. And God was speaking to my heart. And as I've often told people, God was not speaking audibly as I'm speaking to you today. I often say God was speaking louder than that because it was clear in my heart what I began to realize. And among those verses I read was a verse that God used to help transform my life, change the trajectory 100%, and make an instant change in my life. Not instant perfection or anything like that, but an instant change and transformation that God began in my life and this same verse is the verse that for the last 2,000 years, this one verse has been transforming and changing lives again for the last 2,000 years. And it's John 3.16 where the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know if there's a language uh, in the world that that verse hasn't been translated into. And so for the next couple of moments this morning, I just want to speak to you on the thought on for God so loved the world. You know, there's a couple things that have been said about John 3.16 that I really appreciate. Number one, it's been called the sweetest flower ever planted in the soil of Holy Scripture. This verse is every man's text. In other words, it's so simple that any child can grasp it. it it's, it's a verse that early on in life, if you're raised in a, in a church or Christian home, there's a, good, there's a good chance that someone was teaching you this verse, John 3.16. Children of all ages can grasp it to a certain extent. <laughs> However, it's also so profound... It's so profound that all of the scholars of all ages will never be able to plumb the depths of its content. It has also been called an inexhaustible verse. We will never exhaust the content and meaning of John 3.16. Here we have, in a very few words, the mind of God, the heart of God, and the will of God. One of the greatest reasons this text is inexhaustible is because it has to do with the love of God. My goodness. The first clause in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world. Boy, there's good news about God's love, isn't there? God's love is a global love. It's a global love. Every time you look at our planet, I hope that your mind can go to the fact that God loves the world. The good news of Jesus Christ is on a global scope. There's no human on the face of the earth for which Jesus did not die. Now, one important uh, thing that we see in here is for God. For God so loved the world. Those two words, for God, tells us so much, but not the least of which is a very important uh, principle. And that is that there is one God. There's not many gods, there's one God. Uh, the Jewish Shema makes this clear in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
The Lord is one. There is a marvelous presupposition here. And the, the presupposition is just simply this, that, that God is. You know, you think about it from the very beginning. God never tries to go on some big thing to start proving and arguing for himself. Matter of fact, at the, from the very beginning, there's a big presupposition. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'm glad that the more you study science, that the more you see the sense that that makes. Uh, we live because, uh, you know, it's, it's like many of the old cultures believed. I, I, I can't remember if it was the Hindu culture or which that, that, that believed in uh, the idea that the, uh, that the world uh, stood on a, uh, the world rested on a elephant's back. And, and, but then, the, then someone says, well, what does the, uh, ele- what's the elephant standing on? And they say, well, the elephant's standing on the back of a turtle. And, uh, well, what's the turtle standing on? And, uh, and, and I'm telling you the truth here. I may have got the, I may have got the, the, the background wrong of which culture believed this, but then, the, uh, uh, but then the, 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 the turtle was standing on the back of a serpent, an ever-moving serpent. Uh, but, folks, I'm glad that the, the, this, the, the, the Word of God and the book of Job even itself, folks, one of the oldest pieces of, pieces of literature there is is the book of Job. And the book of Job discloses several scientific facts that have, just recent, that, that have been discovered, many of them, in our lifetimes. In the oldest piece of, piece of literature, how could Job have known that? It's not that Job knew it just of himself, but he was writing the very word of Almighty God because he's the creator and he knows. But th- th- there is a God, folks. Uh, there is a God. There is one God. When the, and now this is interesting. Now, when the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle John, penned these words, for God so loved. Now, for many of us, we grew up hearing about God as love. I, I remember, I don't know why, I just remember little things that stick out in my mind, but I can remember in elementary school, uh, this, uh, this girl that I thought was really weird because she had Jesus stuff written on her stuff, you know, and I thought that just always uh, weirded me out. Uh, I'm just telling you the truth. But I can remember that she had written on her backpack, uh, God is love. And Jesus loves you. And stuff like that. And so from an early age, those are things and concepts. We've seen signs and, and, and heard. If, if you grew up in church, you've heard that all your life. But folks, you think about this. Growing up in the culture, when this was written, nobody thought that Zeus loved them. Right? And if you study much about Zeus, uh, he might have loved your wife. Uh, in a uh, and not in a true love kind of way, uh, it's just amazing because what you see, man, man does that. Man still does this today. Man still makes gods in their own image, and that's how they try to make our God Almighty. But 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 nobody thought that Zeus loved them. Uh, no one no one had the idea that Athena loved them, and you just go right down through the pantheon. They had gods of peace. They had gods of war. They had gods of fate. But nowhere in their culture was there a god of love. No one would have ever thought that Moloch loved them. The gods were vengeful, trite, demanding, debasing, but none of them loved. But then on to the dark scene of the world comes these words. And I'm telling you, these words are still a light to a dark world around us. For God so loved the world. So we see the love of God. The Bible says in John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. God is love. It's His very nature. And by the way, it's not that love defines God. 
It's that God defines love. There's a difference. The, 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 the Bible, we see that God's word, the Bible, is a redemptive narrative of His love. Think about it for a moment. He created man in the Garden of Eden. And what's the next thing we read about God doing with man in the Garden of Eden? Walking with Him. Spending time with Him. Loving Him. We know what happened. Man sinned. Man turned his back on God. So what does God do then? He pursues man. He goes after Adam in the garden. And I'm telling you, that, that theme is repeated over and over. And God Almighty is still seeking. You remember how, what wonderful words? When Jesus said that the Son of Man, He said that I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's looking for lost souls. He's looking for those that he loves, the object of God's love. And if you don't get anything else today, please hear this. You, you are the object of God's great love. You are the object of God's great love. And he is seeking. He said, I've come to seek. I've come to save. I dare say this morning, there's not a person here by accident. There's not a person listening by accident. You could say, oh, I'm just here because of this, that, and the other thing. I want to tell you today that you're here today because God wanted you to hear something. You know what He wants you to hear? You're the object of His love. He loves you. He cares about you. You say, well, preacher, I've gone through some things in my life that make me question that. I understand that. And I'd be, I'd be glad to sit and visit with you about that. But ultimately, i got one thing to promise you today. God loves you. You are the object of His love. Think about this. The, the Bible's narrative. And ultimately, Jesus Christ comes and dies on the cross, rises again the third day. Why? Because it's our sin. All of us were born with sin that separates us from God. But Jesus came to pay the penalty of that sin, which is death. He, he, he took that on Himself. He took our hell, as it were, on Himself. And then He offers salvation to us so that we might receive the gift of salvation and know Him. Why? What did Jesus say? In my Father's house are many mansions. What did He say? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. And I'm bringing you home. I want you to live with me. I want you to live with me for all eternity. And while we're there, I just want to bless you. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I want to show you that the valuable things of this world, you know, uh, are, 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 are just, I mean, the streets are paved with gold, folks. I mean, you know, but that's not even the best of it. The best is, is our time together with Him. God loves you. Okay? So we see in that very first, uh, those words, the fact that the origin of this love is God. Number uh, two. Well, before I move on from that, this is interesting. John three sixteen. I talked earlier about it being inexhaustible. I don't know if you've ever heard, some of you may have heard of the, the Moody Broadcasting Network. There's the, the Moody Church in Chicago. Uh, it's been a, a church since the 1900s when a man by the name of D.L. Moody uh, started the church. And I mean, it, it was just a great church and, and still is for that matter uh, for many years preaching the gospel. D.L. Moody was a great man of God. And while he was over in England, he, he heard a young evangelist. And uh, that young evangelist, he just thought, man, I, I enjoyed that message. And I enjoyed hearing that man preach. So he said, to, so he said to the young evangelist, he said, if you're ever in America, you've always got an opportunity to, to preach at Moody Church. Just come on by and preach. And, uh, well, the young man got to the States and called him and said, hey, I'm going to be in town this weekend. And D.L. Moody said, well, I'm going to be gone. 
But you can feel, you just come in and preach for me Sunday because I'm going to be gone somewhere else. So for the next seven days, Moody was gone for a week. When he got back home, he, he gets home and he sees his wife. And remember, they're not, there's not texting, email, and Twitter and whatever else. So uh, he doesn't really know what's been going on for the last week. He gets home and he, he just asks his wife. He says, honey, how's the church? And she just looks at him intently. She says, better than it's ever been. That's encouraging, right? You've been gone a week, man. It's better than ever. And he said, that got his attention. He said, well, what's, uh, uh, what, what, what's, why? She's like that young evangelist that you had in. She, he's like, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a fine preacher, isn't he? She's like, well, no, that's not it. She said, he came in on that Sunday, and he stood up, and he preached. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in them, in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he stood up and he preached a powerful message about the love of God. As a matter of fact, God moved so much in our midst. The church decided, hey, why don't you come back, to, why don't you come back on Monday and preach again? He, they get back, they decide just like that, they're going to have church on that Monday. That young evangelist steps in the pulpit and he stands up and he says, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John 3.16. And I want to preach to you tonight on this topic. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I want you to know, besides that, there was nothing else redundant. He wasn't just preaching the same words over and over, but He, was just, he just kept getting buckets of grace out of this verse. Uh, night after night, he come back the next night, John 3.16, the next night, seven straight nights, John 3.16, and God was moving in a mighty way. That next Sunday, D.L. Moody walks into church, and when, and when the evangelist sees him, he says, oh, he yields and says, uh, uh, Mr. Moody, uh, I would love to hear, sit and just hear you preach. He said, no, 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 I want you to preach this morning. That young evangelist got up and he says, I'm almost embarrassed this morning. And I know there's more in the Bible, but today I want to preach to you on For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And folks, D.L. Moody's testimony was his life and ministry totally changed after that day. Because God showed him. He even had a verse up, they, they had a verse up behind the pulpit that I believe said for God is love. He said, but man, the, the way God spoke it through that young evangelist and here in John 3, 16, and as he plumbed into those depths night after night after night, he's like, I realize that we need to show that even greater. He says, I've not been demonstrating that. I've not been living that to that extent. So the, the depths of God's love, but think about this quickly, the overflow of God's love. The object where we see the origin of this love is God. The overflow of this love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. <laughs> I read that and I think of it like this. For God so loved the world. He loved the world how much? You know, and you've heard it many times, some of you, some of you may not, but that He spread out His hands and He died. I love you this much. The, 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 the overflow of God's love. I mean, God loves you. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, He says this, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. <laughs> oh, listen, if you look back as far as you can see into eternity, 
And if you will find that God is love. And if you look as far ahead into eternity as you can see, you will see that God is still love. The quality of His love is everlasting, eternal, forever. And here's what that means. There's never been a time when God started loving you. You say, well, that sounds disturbing. He just always has. See, God's always been. I can't comprehend that. But He's always loved you. He loved you way before time ever began. He knew you. Psalm 139 says He saw your thoughts afar off. He knows everything you've ever thought. He knows your, your uprising and your downsitting. And, 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 and He knows it all. But guess what? He has always loved you. And something else. There's never going to be a time, boys, when God stops loving you. There's never a time that God's going to love you any less. And He loves you so much, there's not a time that He's going to be able to love you anymore. He, he, he just so loves you. His love overflows for you. There has never been anybody in this world more crazy about you than God Almighty. You are loved by God. How do we know this? Because He proved it on the cross. See, He loves us. How does He love us? He, we are the object of His love. See, God's love is no trickling stream. It's a flooding river. God's love is no flickering light. It's a blazing sun. God's love is an overflowing love, a limitless love. Open up your heart today. I dare you. Open up your heart and say, God, I receive your love. Fill me with your love. Because I'm telling you today, folks, God's love is not a fickle love. It's not a love that comes and goes. It's not a love that we are so often familiar with that's performance-based. It's not a love that says, well, if you do this for me, I'll love you. And if you do good enough, I'll love you. No. He loves you with an everlasting love. You are the object of His love. For God so loved the world. That means you. God loves us definitely. He loves us definitely. What do we know? Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. How did He give Him? On the cross of Calvary. Why? I told you earlier. Our sin, every one of us are born sinners. Now, uh, you may consider yourself a good sinner, uh, but you're still a sinner. If you've ever sinned, that is. Have you ever sinned? You ever sinned? If, you're, if you've sinned, you're a sinner. And sin separates us from God. And there's also a problem. If you've broken the law of God, guess what that means? The Bible says if you've offended in one point, you've broken the whole law. So you may, see, we, we try to look at these scales and say, well, I'm not so bad, and I'm pretty good, and I'm better than that one, and all that stuff. And that may very well be true. But when it comes to God Almighty, He sees us all one way. In other words, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Listen, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Now, some of you may have a hard time admitting that. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, it's still the truth, whether you want to admit it or not. But He loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Love always demonstrates itself. The Bible says, For God commendeth, which means He proved, He showed His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. Listen, He loves us definitely. He loves us uniquely. Uniquely. The Bible says that He gave His only begotten Son. Folks, that only begotten Son, that means one of a kind Son. 
the unique Son of God, the great God of the universe. Think about this. Enormous, omnipresent, squeezed himself into the narrow confines of a mother's womb and was born like every other person was born, yet uniquely, because it was not through the seed of man that he was brought forth, but of God. He's the virgin-born Son of God. Oh, the wonder of wonders. And the same Holy Spirit who brooded over the deep and brought forth life out of nothing overshadowed Mary and caused her to become pregnant with God Himself. See, Jesus was fully man while also being fully God. That's why He loves us uniquely. God sent His only begotten unique Son for you. So not only does He love us uniquely, He loves us definitely. He loves us incredibly. He loves us incredibly. See, we're not talking about any son. We see this a lot, do we not? Not that often. But those who have served in the military, maybe even those that have served in law enforcement and different and firefighters, we just, uh, 9-11, we just uh, remembered last week. Man, we think a lot of somebody that gives their life for us, don't we? There's a lot of people that were giving their lives for others, you know, that we celebrated, that, were, that we remembered uh, on 9-11. And there's people that do that, give their lives for others. Uh, and man, how amazing that is. But can you imagine this? God Almighty giving His Son for those who don't even want Him. For those who mock Him. For those who hate Him. He still gave His Son. The Bible says, for a good man, some would die. Peradventure, for a great man, I'm going to misquote it here, some would even dare to die, but then I've given you the verse already. God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us incredibly. He totally, sacrificially, willingly, and lovingly gave, surrendered, and sacrificed his one-of-a-kind, unique son on the cross, and he was laid in that empty tomb, but then yet, he rose again on the third day, praise the Lord. So, John three sixteen. for God so loved. So, this message shows us that God's love is expressive in its action. For God so loved. It's extraordinary in its choice. For God so loved the world. Isn't it amazing to think that God has chosen you and God has chosen me? Folks, He wants the entire world to be saved. Amen? Uh, listen, it's expressive in its action. It's extraordinary in its choice. It's expensive in its sacrifice. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It, not only that, but it's exclusive in, it, in its bestowment. In other words, He that believeth in Him should not perish. It's exceptional in its work shall not perish, and it's eternal in its blessedness, but have everlasting life. You know, there's an important part here as we think about the dimension of His love. Whosoever does mean you today. The definition of saving faith is what we see here in this verse. Whosoever believeth in Him. We've used this example before, but I, but I mentioned firefighters earlier. Can you imagine, just get a picture with me, if you will, for a moment of, a, of a, uh, a, a man that's in a, in, a, in a burning house, a burning building, and it's a, it's, it's a four or five story building. And he's made his way out of, the, out of the house because the heat and the smoke is just filling the whole place. And there he is on the side of the building just hanging on to a windowsill. 
below him, there's firemen that have, that have blown up a float or have the little net thing or whatever it may be. And there's firemen that are right below him that says, we can save you. We can save you. We're here. We're holding on. Now just get a picture of this man now. He's holding on to this burning building. And he says, thank you. I, I believe you. Now, how do we know if he believes or not? He's going to let go of that burning building he's holding on to. And he's going to trust his entire life and faith and eternity, if you will, on, to these other people. See, there's a lot of people. So many people today are still holding on to their religion. They're still holding on to their baptism. They're still holding on to being a good person. Let me tell you something. You're holding on to a building that's coming down. But Jesus says today, if you will just let go and believe, will you let go? That's what it means to believe in the only begotten Son of God. So today I give it to you again. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, this is your part, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So what I'm asking you to do today, if you have not done so, is to let go of whatever it is that you're holding on to. I'm sure we could have many testimonies in here, but I'm telling you, at some point, every one of us had to kind of let go of something. See, for me, I told you, I was, I was uh, living in, you know, uh, just not living a good lifestyle and the drugs and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I wasn't, you know, like a good person. But at the same time, you want to know something that I really thought, though? I wasn't that bad of a kid. Really. Uh... I mean, I would steal from certain people, but not everybody, uh, you know, and I would, I would do some, I, I would uh, manipulate and, and, and do somebody, but not everybody. I would steal. I, while I'm doing all of that, while I'm doing all of that, I'm not joking, I would be walking down the street, and I've, all, I've always loved old people. Always loved old people. I think that's why I like Ralph so much. Uh, <laughs> always liked old people. And... Uh, elderly people, I guess I was, I'm supposed to say. But I'd be walking down the street, going by my and I'd see an elderly lady, one of my neighbors, just sitting out on her porch. And I, hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. And she'd say something else. Well, just, she said, open up the gate and come to her. And I'd just open up the gate and sit down and visit with her. And she says, hey, if I gave you a quarter, do you think you could mow my lawn? Absolutely, I will. And I did. Uh, I'm, so I was, a, I, I was a good kid. I, I, I was generally nice to people most of the time. And so, so here's what I thought. Here's what I'm kind of getting back to. I was holding on to something. I don't ever remember being taught what I was holding on to, but I was holding on to something. For one thing, I would say my prayers fairly regularly. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'd say my prayers when I got in trouble. And I'd say my prayers when I had made, when I had made some decisions that had got me in an awful mess. Oh, Lord! <laughs> If you get me through this night, if you get me through this morning, if you, I, I, so, but, but, but I, I would pray. And I believed in the Lord. So I'm holding on. And somebody says, well, don't you believe in Jesus? I'm looking down there at those firemen saying, and I'm saying, yeah, I believe. I, I believe that they, they'll, that they can save me, but I'm still holding on. Ultimately, one of the big things that I thought was this. I, I've wanted to buy a pair of scales but they sell them too expensive in the antique stores. I was going to buy it. Because I wanted to bring them up here because it just meant so much to me. And the, the, the pair of those balances, you know. And I don't know where this came from, 
But I always thought that that's what God had. Anybody else ever think something like that? I always thought God had this pair of scales. And I knew I was doing plenty of bad. I knew that. But I was also helping my neighbor for a quarter. That's got to go in my favor. I was also, you know, uh, respectful, to, uh, respectful to elders. I, so that's got to go in the good side. And I would do this, and it'd go in the bad side. And I kind of felt like my whole life was kind of like this, though. But I really felt like, ultimately, I was doing more good than I was doing bad. And God was going to say, mm, yeah, it's close, but come on in. But here's the thing I didn't realize. The Bible says that all of our righteousnesses is as filthy rags. Because here's one of the bad things. This, maybe some of you more religious people can identify with this one. See, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's some people that live awfully holy, churchy, giving a bunch of money kind of lives. And you know what? They're awfully proud of it. Because they're better than these folks over here, you know. So if you're not careful, you can hold on to that. You've really got a bunch in your account. You know, and, and then quite frankly, some churches, I think, keep a track of that and say, yep, you're giving this much, buddy. You're doing pretty good. Uh, you got a chance here. Uh, or you got a chance for your loved one, which is, don't get me started on that, man. That fires me up. That's not cool. Not cool at all. Uh, but here's the point that I'm trying to make. What are you holding on to? Has there come a point in your life where you said, you know what, I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm, it can be kind of scary to let go. I can tell you that. It was scary for me to say, wait, it's not my balances. Everything's going in the, on the sinful side. But I got saved, and guess what happened? All of his righteousness came in on this side, and bam, just, uh, just busted the scale all up, and I'm just depending on him, amen, because I let go. And what I just want to ask you to do today and ask you, would you let go of whatever it is you're holding on to? That man hanging from that building precariously cannot just say, yeah, I believe, I, I believe in Jesus. Have you let go? So as we all stand today and the pianist comes and um, we'll just have somebody that can come. Okay, here she comes. So uh, just uh, as we come today, I just want to ask you, have you let go of whatever? And if not, I want to encourage you to do that today. So how, how, how do I do it, preacher? Pretty simple. Just let go. Right there where you are right now, say, Jesus, I'm right now, for a long time I've said I believed in you, but I'm also trying to hold on to something else. But today, right now, Lord Jesus, from your heart you can pray, right now, Lord, I'm letting go. You said you did it. See, Jesus said it's finished. Lord, I want to receive what you have done. How do you do that? Just by faith? The Bible says it this way. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever, there's that word again from John 3, 16. Whosoever, that's you. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here it is. What I told you is absolutely true. You, you are the object of God's love. He's seeking you. He's coming to you. He's offering you the gift. But He loves you too much to make the decision for you. 
He comes right to where you are, but then all you must simply do is say, yes, Lord, I believe. Right now, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to come into my heart and life right now. And just like my life was transformed, and by the way, can I add, it's still being transformed. Yours can be too. Doesn't mean that life got easier necessarily. It did get easier, but it doesn't just make life easy. But you know what it will do? It'll be awfully great to have somebody going through it with you that understands like nobody else can ever understand, that cares like nobody else could ever care. Well, it's great to have people that care and stand by you, isn't it? But I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven that will walk through you, walk with you. Oh, to have your sins forgiven, to be put in a right relationship with God, who's because of our sin has made us enemies of God. But He's done it all. Would you do that today, right now? Heavenly Father, would you help someone here this morning to let go? Let go of whatever it is they're holding on to and say, Jesus, I trust you and I trust you alone today. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for coming into my life and becoming my Savior. God, please help us as your people to remember your great love for us every single day. It wasn't just when we were unsaved. God, now we're your children. God, and if you would give us your son, how will you not freely with him give us all things? You love us, Lord, today. And I pray, dear God, that you'll help us to share this message with others. Help us to remind ourselves of your great, great love. Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Be 